Capital Market Insights from ICMA. Greetings and a warm welcome to the ICMA FinTech Podcast, a series where we explore the technological innovation in and transformation of the international capital markets. I'm Oliver Tinkler, Head of Communications and Press for ICMA. As an international trade association, ICMA is involved with the intricate landscapes of primary, secondary, repo and collateral markets, and we understand the pivotal role of market electronification. Throughout this series, we'll bring you conversations with ICMA's fintech vendor members, the driving forces behind the innovation shaping our capital markets. Today, we are delighted to be joined by John Ford, who's head of repo services, and by Todd Crowther, who's head of collateral services and partnerships. And they're both from from Pyram. Uh, John and Todd, many thanks indeed for joining us today. Uh, obviously, I recognize you from ICMA's FinTech and Digitalization Forum late last year. But for those who might be unaware of who you are and what, what Pyram is, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the company? Absolutely. Th- thanks very much, Oliver. So my name is Todd Crowther. I run Collateral Services, which is our margin and collateral management and optimization services at Pyram, as well as our corporate development. Um, I joined Pyram six years ago um, after working for 23 years on the sell side, and that was across securities lending, prime brokerage, Delta One, secured financing and collateral management. And uh, some, I'm an ex-market practitioner, having had stints at uh, Payneweber UBS, ING, Deutsche Bank, and Nomura. And I am John Ford. I'm head of... Um fixed income business development uh, specifically focused on the repo markets globally uh, automating the repo markets and the life cycle events around those um, those trades uh, 25 plus years of experience um, came over to Europe in 98 to run a money market business for Lehman took over medium-term notes and high-grade syndicate uh, late in the game uh, moved to credit trading where I traded financials through the GFC uh, and then moved into prime brokerage in 2008. Um, upon Lehman's bankruptcy, uh, we went to, Todd and I went to um, Nomura, where I ran fixed income repo sales. We built a very nice business there that runs today. Um, did a stint at Barclays uh, in prime origination, and then uh, RBC running repo sales in Europe for those guys. Pleasure to be here today. Thank you very much. And, and would you, you know, can you tell us a little bit about Pyram, what what it is, uh, what it does, kind of who you, who you service? Sure. So Pyram was is a fintech firm, and it was established in 2000, um, some 24 years ago. And it was uh, established to automate the entire repo and securities lending post-trade lifecycle. Um, it was actually established as a SaaS firm back then, before SaaS was a term. And we deploy all our services through the web. Um, for those of you who don't know, secured financing trades are effectively collateralized loans um, to facilitate short coverage and, and long secured financing and funding. Given these are lifecycle products, given that historically these were done on an OTC basis, often subtle bilaterally, it created a host of problems for clients in the post-trade space. Hence, Pyram stepped into the market to help clients manage and automate the full post-trade lifecycle including including the transactions, the margin, and the collateral uh, elements. And what, you know, thinking of, of, of Pyram in particular, what what is the core innovation or the unique feature that, that sets your, your, your product and service apart? So uh, 
there, there are four really real areas where we we look to where which are USPs for Pyram that we look to innovate that we look to solve for clients and and that is first and foremost connectivity. So we today have 120 of the major market participants, including the majority of GSIBs on the platform, and given it's predominantly a, a bilateral market, we connect them to each other so they can manage the post trade. We also, once clients are on our network, connect them to the market ecosystem. So that includes their custodians, their tri-party agents, the trading venues, CCPs, trade repositories, and so on. That connectivity is key for clients. Otherwise, they would have to build that themselves. The second thing we do is we digitize uh, our product. We digitize and standardize a lot of the data and the processes for clients which creates interoperability so that they can process these trades through their life cycle. And the last things we do are we automate that to enable straight through processing across the entire life cycle. And also they can provide, we provide some intelligence to clients so they can, they can do things in a smart way on an exception basis and really tackle the, the, the major issues uh, first. And, to that point, we're processing over three and a half trillion of transactions per day, and we achieve up to 98% full STP and matching on those transactions. So it's a real benefit to clients in terms of creating operational efficiency, regulatory compliance, and reducing their costs and their profits. And can I just jump in there, sort of, Ollie, just to bring it down into to layman's terms? You're in the bond borrow market, you're in the stock loan market, you're in the repo market, you're trading. We're firming those trades in real time, given whatever trade life cycle you're under or time frame you're under. We are handling all of the life cycle events that go on the back of that, including coupon claims, corporate actions, re-rates, reprices, the whole gamut that might occur there. All of that's occurring in real time and being affirmed in real time. Um, and matching, more importantly, in real time. And on the back of that, we do a host of collateral optimization exercises. So just to bring it home a little bit. And, and actually kind of thinking back to the development of Pyramid Solution, you know, how does it address a need or a specific challenge in, the, uh, in your kind of target sector of the capital markets? Yeah, absolutely. So it's been an evolution over the you know over the last 24 years for Pyram it was it used to be once a day it moved to intraday and basically it started to really create value for clients post the 2007 crisis in the you know on the back of defaults in the market clients were pushed to secure finance most of their capital markets secondary markets activity on all their balance sheet assets today the largest non FTE cost for secondary markets is really the financing funding and the short coverage and the leverage that's provided to, to the firm for the traders as well as to clients. So, and two key trends are sort of have come out of this and, and, and been there for quite a while. Um, and they're, they're only, they're an ongoing challenge for clients and that's really prudential regulations where through Basel one to four, Banks are having to being you know being moved to decrease risk and boost resiliency, including 
reserving capital backstops in the event of a stress or to weather a storm. And the second major trend is not just firm specific, but the regulators are moving to change market structure and make it more efficient, again, to boost resiliency. And the, the key trends now that everyone's seeing are twofold, really. It's, it's accelerated settlement. You know, so we moved to T2 in 2017, broadly. Now we're moving to T1 this year in North America. It's a major driver for clients because they have to do this post-trade lifecycle in a much more compressed time frame. And then the second big driver is, is the push for um, centralized clearing, UMR integration for rules, and really decreasing stress of the markets by um, socializing those, the risks, which creates other operational burdens on clients because they have to develop that connectivity and processing to many more locations as well as many more uh, counterparties. So in that vein, firms need to be efficient in their trading, in their margining, and in their collateral life cycle. Otherwise, they're going to carry much higher costs from a capital point of view, from a risk point of view, whether it's buffers for liquidity, for balance sheet, for risk capital RWA, and charges like LCR and NSFR. So with that said, those are the two major trends. I think what John and I want to do is talk about practically how we see clients solve for those trends in the post-trade life cycle with some practical examples. To Todd's point, you know, it seems like um, capital adequacy of the banking system is well-baked, uh, starting with the GSIBs, uh, not necessarily converting banks to utilities, but kind of, um, and then progressing through the smaller banks throughout the world. But the last 10 years have really been focused on capital adequacy, as we know. Uh, I guess we're currently in ball 3.5, uh, but it's interesting, at least to me, how um, efficient markets now seems to be the focus as we have with mandatory clearing and T plus one coming imminently. Um, and we'll talk about some of the market wobbles over the last few years uh, that have concerned regulators. Um, and if I'm the US Treasury and I know my debt's going from 30 to 46 trillion over the next decade, um, I definitely wanna make sure that my debt can be traded efficiently globally um, in the markets. And that seems to be, you know, the current trend. That's fascinating. Looking ahead, I suppose, kind of looking at the, the near term kind of five year outlook, when you look at the, or when you assess the emerging trends in the industry, what, what do you see? And, and how is your products and service kind of positioned to evolve to, to meet that challenge? And I suppose a supplemental question to that would be, obviously everyone's kind of very well aware of AI and its position now. Uh, you know, how could your uh, solution kind of benefit from from AI? You know, does it play a role? Sure. Thank you. So our feeling is it's not a choice between dealing with regulation or dealing with market infrastructure and adopting tech or not adopting tech. Our feeling is is that um, we've shared the, the industry trends and what's, what we're seeing is, is the market participants are moving to use technology to address these issues. And it's really boils down to addressing automation and efficiency within the market. And from our vantage point, clients are trying to transform their operating models and we're helping with that and their tech stacks 
in order to address these market challenges, let's call them. And we see really four main areas in that. We see electronification moving into the post-trade, and we're trying to support that. And what that means is, is that's helping clients connect to each other and the market and the market ecosystem. And it also means developing interoperability. And that's that's and that really drives into the second point, which is digitization. You see the we do a, a lot of work with clients between them, their counterparties, and market infrastructure providers in terms of standardizing data and processes so that they can cooperate with each other and process the full life cycle of the transactions. There's a CDM that's being led by, um, by different industry bodies. There's also best practices that, that, that are being pushed. Okay, We're trying to enable those best practices and enable that CDM. And we make our products compatible with the CDM and the best practices. The third area is around DLT and tokenization. We fully automate an STP, the end-to-end process around collateral margin and transactions. Pyram is advocating DLT. And what we're trying to do is make our services forward compatible with DLT to give the client a choice between whether they integrate to DLT many times at a higher cost, but with longer term benefits, or whether they need a current process, which is fit for purpose. And the last bit is around AI and machine learning. We talk a lot about intelligent automation. Machine learning and AI can be used to power that intelligence, to automate and reduce risks, to automate and reduce operational inefficiencies. So we use algos within our collateral optimization product and it really drives efficiency, reduces risk, and increases the client's profitability. So those those are the four sort of market technology pushes to address these challenges in the market we see. That's great. Thanks, Todd. Um, just thinking back, you know, to the I suppose to the 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 genesis of Pyram or or certainly kind of your involvement with with Pyram. How did the market welcome your solution, and you know what kind of obstacles did you face in those early days that you've had to had to overcome? So, and this is a good this is a good question. It also ties into AI. Um, so, really, the challenge that we see in the market, frankly, is adoption. There are technologies out there, and Pyram's not the only one, for people to solve these post trade issues within the market. And regulators, given they're pushing for market infrastructure changes, they're pushing accelerated settlement. It's all about efficiency and, and automation. And clients, our clients get the benefit of connecting to those 120 major counterparties. And the more people who are on that, the better the service is. We recently did a study around AI and DLT. And what we found was and we, we've had forums with clients where we've debated the benefits and the challenges and the risks involved in adopting that. But what we found in our studies is two major points, right? Number one, the results showed that the matching rates are about 87%, meaning that about 13% of all lifestyle events needs to be manually dealt with and needs some human interaction. Also in the study, we found that Clients who had adopted our services were achieving matching and STP rates at a minimum of 95% percent 
and our average at the moment is 98%. So what, what we're finding is clients don't need to adopt DLT to achieve high rates of efficiency and automation in the market. What we see is, is that rate goes up to near 100%, 99.8, if we had all participants adopting the services. So really, it comes back to adoption. Now, that's not to say that there's, we don't see benefits in DLT and blockchain. We do. But what we're moving to do again is give clients non-disruptive technologies that are forward compatible as DLT and blockchain come online. So that's the position we take from a technology point of view. And we see the major market emphasis is adoption and automation. Looking forward, you know, obviously this is a very innovative area of the market. And one might, if one was being naughty, kind of counterpoint it to kind of slightly slower kind of regulatory uh, change. How do you balance uh, innovation with kind of regulatory compliance? The bottom line on this is innovation is an enabler to support regulatory change and market structure change. We don't see it as a choice. We see it as an enabler to do it and adoption. Agreed. It, it's, a, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario. Given the challenges that the market currently is facing, T plus one coming in the US, which, you know, given the amount of um, cross-border activity that happens out of the US, is not a US problem, right? It's a global problem. Japanese banks, European banks, UK banks are all trading within that market. So if you've got any part of your trading cycle that's being affected um, or done with a US counterparty, um, you're gonna have to address that now wherever you are in the world. Um, and so you see this sort of, this, um, continued stream of, of regulation that's coming to shore up, as we said originally, the markets as well as the capital, to wait to uh, when those regulations are live to address your problem um, is just fatal. What, what, you know, we've had conversations where people are like, we've had to stop trading or pause trading because our post-trade life cycle, we cannot handle the flow. And so you can't wait, you have to be somewhat predictive and you have to be analytical of your own operation to see where your pain points are. I think what we have in the five plus rate environment now is that the costs when rates were zero were not necessarily obvious and inefficiency was tolerated. A constant theme that we have now particularly if you just talk about fails in the marketplace, people, their response is, oh my God, like it is absolutely massive. Some folks we talked to say 18 months ago, we started addressing the efficiencies in our operations and it's less of a problem now and other folks are later on that journey. Um, so coming back to the, the, the question and you're, you're seeing, you know, a banking market that, shed 60,000 jobs last year that, you know, there's been fairly prominent announcements around large institutions having to shed 20 billion of RWA within their investment banking operations within the global bank. Um, you really have to, and I, and I think it's fairly consistent uh, amongst the GSIBs, but innovation is increasingly becoming part of their DNA. 
um, and all of the solutions that we spoke about up to this point is part and parcel to that innovation which addresses the regulatory hurdles that are already out there and that are coming. And just to add, so we see market participants adopting technology to to innovate, to enable compliance and markets, uh, to deal with market structure evolution, right? Um, they're more widely accepting vendor solutions and market solutions because given constraints on budget, given timeframes they need to meet, they need to look to solutions that are in effect market-wide. Um, we see clients moving to the sharp end of return on investment. They look at the cost of implementing something themselves. And in many cases, they'll choose a SaaS solution like our own. The cost, as John referred, is typically less than the cost of not doing something. It improves their profitability, their performance, their ability to service clients, their, their ability to compete in the market. Typically, they'll look at time frame as well. And the fact of the matter is, is the time frames are usually much shorter in terms of adopting existing technologies because nothing needs to be built. The integration is lighter. The support can be outsourced. And then finally, there's a risk. So the, there's a risk of building something that doesn't work. There's also a risk of forward compatibility. And as the market evolves, that technology gets outdated and you, you develop technical debt, right? If you're able to reduce that risk, you can make things more efficient. And frankly, you can meet the prudential and systemic requirements that the market's moving to. So again, we look at innovation as it pays for itself. And in, in fact, it more than pays for itself. And that's, that's really what not only we see, but we're hearing from clients um, because they're running a business at the end of the day. That's great. Thanks, Todd. We're recording this uh, in early January 2024. And I suppose my final question to you is, you know, looking ahead for 2024 in particular, what are your kind of aspirations for kind of Pyram, your, your your solutions and and maybe kind of broader hopes and, and aspirations for the year ahead? I could speak to mine uh, and I'll talk to my book a little bit, but <laughs> 2024, 2025 is going to be the years of automation within the global repo markets. I think they, the repo markets globally um, you know, have always largely been bilateral, OTC, um, somewhat bifurcated. Um, and I think that the focus now, given all of the costs that we had discussed, be it RWAs, be it liquidity, be it LCR, NSFR, be it treasury funding, has really highlighted the inefficiencies within that market. And I think over the next year, we're going to see a lot more folks adopt automation within that market. Yeah, and from my perspective, it goes back to, we're gonna help clients implement T1 in North America. 
and they're under a lot of pressure to deal with things in a much shorter cycle. So clients will be coming on on the transactional side, especially asking us to help them automate that life cycle. From a prudential compliance point of view, we launched a collateral management optimization service this year, which we have two clients live on that service that are optimizing their collateral across secured financing, securities lending, repo, OTC derivatives, and CCP derivatives. And those are typically led by the funding desks. And that helps clients save tens of millions of dollars in terms of capital costs and liquidity costs related to NSFR and LCR. So those are our two big mission statements for 2024 is to help clients save on their financial resources, improve their profitability, and comply with these emerging accelerated settlement timelines. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much, Todd. And, you know, John, Todd, you know, many thanks indeed for joining me on the podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about ICMA's work across fintech and digitalization, then please look at the episode description where we've included links to some useful resources. But thanks again for listening and please join us next time. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts, and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.